What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and today we are going to be talking about a brand new book. I'm not going to be talking about the book. I've actually got the author with me. I've got him here to talk about not just the book, but about speculative fiction. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. But before that, I'm going to hand over and we're going to talk to... Sorry, I've got the book right here. I'm going to speak to him. Guy Morpus. I'm going to make sure I say that bright, bright. Uh, Guy, how are you doing? You okay? I'm very good, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Very, very happy to come on and talk about uh, Five Minds and about speculative fiction. No, good. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I was going to say, so yeah, Five Minds, the book, it's recent release. It's in hardback. It's out there now. We'll all the link, There'll be links below in the podcast and we'll talk about uh, where to find it. But let's, before we show you where to buy it, Guy, what's it about and why should people be interested? Uh, well, I think it raises some interesting issues for people to think about, but that's very much secondary. What I hope it does is it entertains people with a fast and pacey story. The, the elevator pitch, the one-line pitch, would be, uh, what if you could share your body with other people, and then you discover that one of them may be trying to murder you? Mm. How do you deal with it? That's, that's the short pitch. The, the longer version is that I've envisaged a society in the near future where children at age 17 get to make a choice, and they can either choose to stay as they are, uh, which is the worker. They can make the decision to have a state-funded life of luxury, which I've called a hedonist, but they then die very young at 42. Uh, they can load their mind into an artificial body to save the Earth's resources, but they only get to live to 80. Or the most radical choice of all is you share your body with four other people in what I've called a commune. And mm. the advantage of that is you get a new body every 25 years, so you never grow old. You get to live to 142 but you only get to use it four hours a day. And I think it raises quite interesting questions of what would you choose if you're presented with that? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we'll, we'll get to some of because I, 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 it, it stopped me in my tracks a little bit reading this book. <laughs> uh, there's been several moments, and sort of as I'm about halfway through and reading it, there's, there's several moments where I'm like, mm, how would I deal with this? Because it is interesting. Um, I, love the con I love the concept. Um, and... Um, I actually, I will say, I'll throw it out now. And again, there'll be a link in the cut. There's a link below. I visited your website. I did the personality test. <laughs> uh, I came out as a worker. And uh, so I'm, I'm quite dull and boring, I think, really, <laughs> in that respect. I'm not sure necessarily. I think the, the, the worker is perhaps the, the safe, sensible option. Um, I have to say, my, my wife, Julie, came out as a worker and wasn't very happy with me for the way the <laughs> test worked for that reason. Um, I tried to explain to her that being a worker isn't, isn't the dull option. Um, I do, if I do it properly, I come out as a commune, so I, I'd get to live to 142, but I'd have yeah. to share my problem. I'm it's not entirely sure I'd want to. No, it's an interesting, because again, one of the things I found most interesting, and we'll get to the inspiration actually in a sec, is... It, it really one of the things that stopped me in my tracks is the age at which these kids get to make the decision because i was we're all, we're all 17 i probably wasn't the most sensible person when i was 17 um but they have to make that choice and i love the scene there's a flashback scene um about you know 80 pages or so in and it takes you 25 years back to how these this commune meet 
but I love the fact that there's a there's a fantastic scene, and it's it's not spoilers. So it doesn't you know it's not going to ruin it for anybody. It's there's, there's this sort of exposition given by, um, like a, a representative of, of the government, like a government official. Kind of thing. She she is an Andy or an Android, and she goes through the options and she provides this sort of like you know each one is, is an honourable choice in this way. Um, and what we see is there's actually a fifth choice which isn't really mentioned because not you know it's not a longevity thing. But there is an also thing of like, well, if you choose not to go on, and you know, we, we don't take that lightly, that you're given support and you begin to, you know, all this other stuff. And it really struck me as like at 17, it's, it's that thing again of sort of like, you know, like it took me back this one, this one moment, listen to this, took me back to this idea of like being sat down or being talked about, right? Your GCSEs are the most important thing you're ever gonna do. They're gonna map out your entire life. So think about what you're gonna do. Your A-levels are the most important thing you're ever going to do. And then what you can do at university and this and what you do that. And this idea of these sort of late teenagers still struggling with this self-identity then having to sort of be laid with this choice. I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. But it was like, it really sort of gave me a bit of palpitations, to be honest. So, uh, but yeah, it, you know, I don't know. So where did that come from? This idea of sort of laying it at, at, at that point. Well, I, I obviously had to do it at some point. Mm. And it's about it seems to me because the, the whole idea behind this is the reason that society is doing this is to control the population to reduce the impact on resources and if you leave it too late uh, it's not actually point. having that effect and I think the other problem is if you leave it too late uh, we, we, we probably all get much more sensible as we get older you wouldn't get many people who would choose to live 25 years and be a hedonist with a life of luxury I suspect um, probably you get lots of people choosing to remain as they are as workers. So I think you need an element of irresponsibility and risk-taking, which you only get with youth, and perhaps 17 is a little young, um, but, it, but it's, got, it's got to be a balance. Uh, you obviously don't want to go much younger than that, but no. equally, I thought going too much older, um, it starts becoming a, a different sort of book and a different sort of debate. Mm. No, I liked it. That's, I actually kind of like the age of 17. I think it is. It's, it's a kind of... Um... It made me think about the right to vote and the right to drink and and that age really is where you get given these sort of adult responsibilities and you are sort of you know all of a sudden it's like you know clocks hits midnight and all of a sudden you're an adult and here you go and so yeah. it, I, I like the fact that these things are laid at these kids and there's a wonderful moment where the the, the woman the, the says to them she says hello children or she greets them as children and she says that's the last time you'll be you'll be addressed as such and again, it's sort of it's just this wonderful sort of like drawing in of this, you know, drawing a line in the sand of like that idea of like your childhood is behind you now, and now you've got to make those adult choices and and you know laying at their feet. So I no, I thought it was great. I like the idea of it. It's, it's I can imagine it, it like you said, this is what we're going to the idea of speculative fiction, but I can completely believe that that would be the decision made of like no, that is an age, and uh, to go from that point. Um, go, going back to this concept though, what what was the original inspiration for this? Uh, it's very hard to remember where it first popped into my mind. I mean, the earliest moment I can remember the idea of body sharing was uh, about five years ago, um, walking down the East River in New York with, uh, with my wife, Julie, and saying to her, I've had this great idea for a story about this detective who only gets to use a body for four hours a day, and he's trying to investigate a crime, but there's got, it's a bit like an Uber, you've got body sharing. And how would he cope with that? Every time he gives the body back, is it going to be in the right place? How is he carrying on with his investigation? So that was the first idea I can remember. I'm not really sure where that came from, although, you know, I'd read sort of 15 years before Altered Carbon, that great book mm -hmm. by Richard about moving minds around. And I suspect that was probably floating somewhere around in my brain. Um, so it's an idea that's been with me for a long time. And then it just sort of developed. She said to me, well, rather than telling me about it, why don't you actually get, get on and write it? 
And it took me about three years to then finally knuckle down and do that, by which time it was a slightly different book. And I then had to think, well, which, which I think will come onto it, but it's really the, you know, the thing about speculative fiction, you have this idea and then you think, well, how, how's it actually gonna work in practice? Mm. I had to say to myself, well, you know, how does this work? You make a decision, can people just go off and be communes if they want to be? Does everyone have to take part? And so it sort of developed from that and the world building then happened on, on, on the back of that. But that, that was the genesis as far as I can remember it. No, it's good. Yeah, I, I like that idea. That's what I say because the world building as well is, is is obviously really important. And I, and I love you know again, I'm not going to spoil some of the bits because it's it's sort of important to the plot. But um, you know, you, one of the things you talk about there about the world building is consequences. This book in particular, this story, you know, regards to the mystery, you know, the mystery uh, is great. You know, so it, is, it is a murder mystery. Uh, you know, in, in essence, um, but one of the key parts of the whole thing is consequences. You know, and, and, and throughout the story, this idea of, of making choices and having to live with the consequences. But then, not just you living with the consequences, as you say, the, the impact this has on others, like this ripple effect of consequences. And I, I don't know if that was was that you know was that a big part of what you were looking at. I think that's part of it. I mean, I, I've got, uh, we've got two teenage sons, one 15 and one 19. So you spend a lot of time sort of trying to explain to them that you can make decisions, but you know, what, what you sow, you will reap ultimately. And mm. that you need to be aware that what you do now may have some consequences for. And I think that's probably part of the thinking, may also be part of the thinking why I pitched it around 17, you know, between the two of them. Um, and so, you know, having tried to educate them about that and thinking about consequences, I suspect that's part of what I was trying to do in the book as well, is saying you can make these great decisions, you can choose to live a life of luxury, and it may look great at age 17, but mm -hmm. then suddenly at age 42, that's the end of your life. Um, you know, is that really what you want? Is that the balance you want? Yeah, um, again, like I say, you, you know, you, you sort of had some of this sort of, like some of this gets met like head on, like you meet characters, you know, peripheral characters and characters on the way that have, that have made these choices. Like, you know, the headness, uh, there's a, there's a uh, headness couple, uh, there's an Andy, yeah. there's an Andrew couple. And it's, it's this thing of like the choices you make and you go, you know, well, yeah, of course you're going to hit, hit this age. And like you say, you become a bit more sensible, a bit more risk averse. And all of a sudden this thing of like this idea of like the lap of luxury for so 25 years may not be so appealing. So, um, that that appeals to me this idea of consequences and, and i do think about this quite a lot weirdly of what did, what choice i made at that age that still impact me now so this book speaks to me on, this, on that level i love this idea um but the other thing i really like that sort of really struck me as well is, is human um the human response to this is always going to be the same you know there's good is, is the get out is you know um you say there's 42 or 142 or all these other things but you can then gain credit or you can do other things and so you get the death parts which is you know as, as a sort of a, the term for them um where people can gamble they can do they can play games and in doing so they can gain time back and so again all this felt like yeah of course that would happen like if there was a way to gain more time, of course. So where, where did the idea for that come from? Or how did that sort of spawn? Um, again, the memory is slightly hazy and it does come from really sitting down and thinking, well, how would this work in practice, uh, as you say? But uh, originally when I wrote the first chapter, um, this was actually set on a spaceship. And I was thinking of people going on these sort of end of life spaceship cruises. And I was mm. thinking, well, 
virtual reality, Star Trek? Why didn't you have some sort of virtual games you could be playing there? And what about being able to trade some of your time? You know, people can win time off one another and one person comes out at the end of the voyage as a winner. Yeah. Uh, and then I wrote the first chapter on the spaceship and then I thought, well, hang on a minute, anyone who reads about a spaceship, uh, unless they love science fiction, they're not going to read this book and we'll come on to speculative fiction in due mm. course. But what I was trying to do was not write a science fiction book. I was trying to write something more mainstream. So I scrapped the spaceship and then I thought, well, you know, what about this dystopian park in the middle of nowhere? And you do the same thing, you fight for time. And probably at the back of my mind, I also had, uh, which I'd seen, but I have to say forgotten that film, I think it's about time, the yes. one where time is the currency. And again, I probably had that floating at the back of my mind, but I have to say until someone mentioned it to me, I'd completely forgotten about it. Yeah, don't worry. Um, I, think, I think a lot of people forgot about that film. <laughs> the idea um, was good. Yes, yeah, it, it is. It, it was that's definitely the case with that film. It's, you know, um, good concept, not great uh, delivery, but um, yeah. No, I look the park and you meet the people in different. And again, this weirdly sort of had me thinking of like Las Vegas and this idea of sort of like you know last ditch efforts to set change lives and that you know those sort of things. So it all felt very real. Like, yeah, of course, that would happen and that sort of thing. So um, it's really enjoyable in that sense. And um but what, one thing i was curious about is um the characters so our commune um they are very different uh they're very sort of they're five very distinct people um do they come from anywhere or they are, are you know when i say they come from anywhere and you haven't got to drop anyone in it i'm not i don't want you to name anybody <laughs> are, but are they all fictional sort of fictitious or, they, or uh, you know was it a case of pulling things from you know um, I know a Ben, I know a, you know, I know a Kate, I know a, a Sierra, um, or at least those attributes. Uh, there, there are attributes. I mean, there are bits that are pulled from lots of people, but I can't say I, I know a Sierra <laughs> or a Ben or I know an Alex or a Kate or a Mike. Um, I, I think my wife would probably say that a lot of them are different aspects of me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I slightly think of them in the same way that people sort of think of the, the crew of the, you know, the bridge crew of the Star Trek, where each mm. of them is a different aspect of character. And I think slightly that's what I've tried to do here, that, you know, you have Sierra, the impulsive one who doesn't care about the consequences, will do whatever she likes for short-term enjoyment. Kate, who's much more careful. Ben, who's a bit geeky. Uh, you know, Mike, who's very into his fitness, keeps the body nice and fit for them. And Alex, who's a bit of a sort of everyman. He doesn't, mm. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but, you know, he doesn't have too many obvious characteristics that distinguish him from the others, I think. Alex, in a sense, is a bit more us, the reader. Although, yeah. you know, and so is Kate, I suspect. You know, they're probably the, the two that are most most near the centre. Uh, but no, I can't I can't drop anyone in it and say, no, that was Sierra, <laughs> or that was Kate, or that was Alex. They're, they're, they're an amalgam of lots of different people and ideas. And, you know, one of the things about having been a lawyer for 30 years and a trial advocate is I've seen a lot of different people go through the witness box and you get to draw on, you know, the good, the good and the bad of what you've seen when people are at their most stressed. It's, it's yes. used to training. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I, you know, again, you know, I, I like, and again, it's addressing the book, I'm not going to get too much in it, but I like the fact they're all very different, that they are stuck together, you know, and, and one of the things is, um, in my, you know, I, my day job, in, in my real work, as it were, um, I have to work with a lot of different people, uh, you know, as a project manager, and it's that thing of having to, you know, manage and, and address those people of different personality types, and then sort of you know, to work together to try and achieve a group goal, but everyone having slightly different agendas and that sort of thing and stuff. So, and again, it's, it's um, 
it creates a really interesting dynamic in the book. Um, and so, yeah, I, I find that it's a fascinating idea, this idea of having to share the body, but all having slightly different agendas for the body as well. Yes, I think it's, it's the ultimate uh, group dynamic, I think, where you, know, you end up meeting with someone or you end up on a team with someone, you know, it's going to end, you know, you'll do a project, you'll move on. And I did that, you know, lots of cases in law, you do, you do a case, you then move on and work with different people. But here you're stuck with them for the rest of your life. And the question is, well, how do you deal with difficult ones when you didn't really give much thought to it when you went into it and you didn't get to choose? And there wasn't, you know, once you've chosen to be a commune, you're just stuck with four other people who someone else has chosen and thinks will work. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, no, that, that's it because there's a great there's a great line as well when they're going through the choices. I love this. this, this the scene of when they're making choices is so so good. But it's the fact that like they actually get told at one point about the lives because you say every twenty five years they're given the there's a commune they get a new body, uh, up to the the five. You know, each of the five gets a twenty five year stint, basically. Um, but there's a great one where the line says, uh, your first life is basically, your first 25 years is basically figuring out how to work together. And then the rest of them, you get to sort of improve. And I was like, okay, that's a really good, it, it gives you this different concept of time as well, that actually, you know, you're going to be, like you said, 100 and, well, 125 years beyond the, the 17. And yeah. so this idea of sort of like, yeah, it's, it's not like having to deal with people and then move on. And it's not even about a case of like, I'm having to live with these people for years in a flat or whatever. Like, no, no, you are tied to these people because they can't be undone as well. So it's, it's yeah, it's this thing of, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even imagine the pressure of having to make that decision. No, and I, I mean, there's a reason I've chose the, the first 25 years that they're together. Mm. I think that is inevitably going to be the most chaotic and therefore the most interesting from a reader's point of view because the most things are going to happen. You'd like to think by the second or third or fourth lives that they've settled it down and worked out how to do this. Uh, and, and I think the other interesting thing is that although you're working together, you don't actually get to see one another or talk to one another. And the only way of communicating is through messages which can't be done in real time because it was a deliberate choice that when you're switched off, you are off. All you get yeah. are your four hours a day because otherwise you could be talking to each other all the time in the background. And I don't think the dynamic would be anywhere near the same or, or the problems anywhere near the same. No, no. Well, yeah, that'd be noisy and, and crazy. But because and, and, again, you say it's not just the message you leave, it's whether they choose to read them. And again, I like that the personalities come into sort of into play as to whether or not they get deleted or read or paid attention to. And so, yes, it, de it definitely forms a, a sort of a, a unique set of problems for them to, to deal with. Um, well, we all sort of move from this point on because because the thing is because you know we will hope the book and and uh, I'm going to be I'll be writing a review up for this for the website guys so you know look out for that soon, um, but it it sits within this genre of speculative fiction, uh, and it tickled when I saw it I saw it advertising something it really tickled my brain because of this idea and of of consequences this idea of taking an idea and running with it uh, and seeing what the inevitable conclusion was but so. Um, I've, again, I checked out your website. So you see, are you a, you're a fan of the speculative fiction. Is this is this sort of an area that you are uh, keen on? Was it something you know that you've always been into? Yes, I mean, I I started out when I was very very young, reading sort of thrillers and that sort of thing. Whatever my father happened to have on his bookcase, so the sort of Alistair MacLean's, Desmond Bagley's, those sort of thrillers mm. from the 60s, 70s, uh, which were great. And then as a teenager, I started getting into the sort of sci-fi side of things. Philip K. Dick, who does this very well. He throws out an idea, generally in a short story, deals with it very shortly, and there's a reason that so many of his stories and books have been made into 
great movies. Well, some great, some not so great. Yeah. The idea is <laughs> always very clever. So it's always something that's interested me. And then I remember talking to a fellow barrister at some um, drinks party once, and he told me he was watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I had barely <laughs> heard of it. But I thought this is an extraordinary thing for some 40-year-old man to be watching who's, you know, a credible barrister. But I went away and looked at it and thought, actually, this is fantastic because all you've got here is the real world. You've tweaked one little aspect of it, which is there are monsters and they're real and they live under the school. Mm-hmm. And everything else is the same. You've got to go to school. You've got to deal with your classmates. You have relationships. You've got to deal with your teachers. You've got to get your homework done. Um, but in the meantime, you've got to somehow avoid the, the hell mouth opening and the world being taken <laughs> over by monsters. And I thought it was a great idea. And it's so, so well done. And, you know, that, that's something that sort of then led me on to reading a lot more about it. And you know, people sometimes think of it as science fiction. Well, I don't think it is. I think it's very different from science fiction because to me, speculative fiction is you take the real world, you give it a little twist, you tweak one mm. thing or two things, and then you ask yourself, well, what if that happened? You know, what, what would happen? Where would it go? And you, I, I sort of view it as playing around with the consequences. And that's what I've tried to do in Five Minds, not get too wacky or too weird or too science fiction, but just take an idea that you can share a body with other people and say, how, how would that actually play out? Yeah, I like the fact that, say, I, I do like the idea that one twist, I've always been sort of keen on that. And, and I do like, you know, I say science fiction and fantasy, but I am very sort of, I am a big fan of this idea of, of you know, like they call sci-fi realism or, or sort of, you know, um, even like, you know, magical realism or something. These, these ideas, the realism is because it's, it's in the real world, yeah. but I've slightly tweaked it to be, just that bit different or th- this is played out and even the, the alternate history book so you mentioned like you know you mentioned philip k dick and, and obviously there's the man in the high castle yeah. what happened if you you know if the other side had won um how would that play out and so you, you yeah so I, I love these ideas because they can take us in some interesting places um and, and obviously in, in five minds not just you don't just sort of you, you know you've, you've got this idea but you give it a justification as well this is extreme resource management <laughs> um yeah. um and so yeah so you know but you, you were saying before about this idea of speculative fiction you know, sort of um what are some of the the you know this idea of the ideas then for you that like the, the you know you say about buffy but what other ideas have you sort of you know have always sort of tickled the artifice for you uh I mean, in terms of things I've read, uh, I mean, there's, there's too many I suspect to mention. One of them I read recently, which partly inspired me to get on and get Five Minds Down, was The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, which mm. has the idea that this woman is going to kill herself at the end of each day, and someone wakes up in a body, investigates the why she's doing this, and then the next morning he wakes up in a different body in the same house and has to go through the process again. And each time he's trying to work out, you know, what, why is this... Why is she killing herself at the end of the day? So it's an intriguing premise. Um, so that you know, that's one of them I've read recently. You know, this *The Handmaid's Tale* is a yeah. great example, I think, of you know, take a twist. Fertility rate, fertility rates have dropped. Women have to bear children for elite couples. How does that play out? Um, not well, as we know. <laughs> you know. *Hunger Games*: children fight to the death. I mean, I think the world is full of speculative fiction, but we don't necessarily think of it that way. And I've got lots of people who say, well. You know, I, I, I don't really read speculative fiction. I don't read science fiction. It's not for me. And then, you know, you discuss what they're interested in, what they're reading. You realize actually they've been reading speculative fiction all the time or watching TV shows with it. But they just don't think of it in that way. They think of it as mainstream. 
Yeah, I think it's the element of realism, isn't it? It's that idea of it's, it's, the, it's the amount of realism that I think weirdly there's like a barometer that people are willing to accept or, or not accept, I suppose. Is, you know, you mentioned like Buffy, Buffy's like, you know, I love Buffy, you know, a massively successful show, but it centers on it centers on the relationships, you know, like one yeah. of the one of the, the one of the episodes that always comes into play when people do the top tens is one of the ones again spoilers for anyone for a show that's almost 20 years old or more but when her mum dies you know there's an episode yeah. there it's it, it's barely got any of the supernatural stuff in but it's all about the family because you've known the characters and it's again it allows you to explore those ideas um but then like you say you know you need to have a, a, an anchor i think for for a lot of the mainstream and keep it as, as sort of centered and then like you say just slightly take it off to the left or the right um which is which is think is is but the thing is i think when you say about that idea people do it all the time don't they in their heads that, that, that idea of what if i think you'll find yeah. you're right you know people probably say that and you know, i'm sure you've had those conversations with people um absolutely and i think it's how how we test ideas and test arguments as well you know again uh, coming back to my previous life as a lawyer one of the things you do as an advocate is you try and reduce the argument to the observed, particularly the other side's argument. And you say, well, if you take it this far, it obviously doesn't work. Therefore, the core argument is false. Now, it doesn't all, that, that's not necessarily logically correct, but it's the way you try and test things. And it seems to me speculative fiction allows you to do the same sort of thing in, in a narrative form, because again, it's very similar. You're telling a story, just a different story that you can make up and you haven't got the facts given to you in advance. Um, and so you take an extreme example. Now, it's very unlikely that we're going to ever be in a world where you do actually share a body with four other people. It's unlikely you're in a world where you get the choice that you can die at 42 but live a life of luxury. But I think by posing those questions in a story that is, I hope, entertaining and where this question is very much secondary, mm. you get people thinking about, well, you know, what should we be doing about the world's overpopulation? What should we be doing about climate change? I'm not sure, you know, that my book is going to change any of this but it, you know if it provokes a bit of discussion by looking at the extreme edges you know you never know where it might go and that's the sort of debate I'm trying trying to raise but it's very much secondary as I say again to hopefully having an entertaining story because that seems to me the the primary job of any book oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh no it is and and, and you know you'll find that I, I often wander off into talk, you know obviously to these ideas but the book is I, I can't you know like I say I'm I will admit, like, you know, I'm not, firstly, I'm not the fastest of readers. Um, and I often sort of get distracted by other things, but I've, yeah, I've belted through it. I, I picked up my copy on Friday and I have absolutely belted through it whenever I could. So it's, it's absolutely, it is, a, it's a great read. It's very entertaining. It, the pace is fantastic. Like, that's the thing. It's a bit like I get to the end of, because, and I think, you know, um, don't think I'm just blowing smoke, but I think one of the, the great things that you, you've managed to do is because the book, Oh, sorry, because of the, the the nature of the commune being those four-hour stretches and each being an individual, each of the chapters that it goes through is a fresh perspective because it goes through the four-hour cycles. So we'll get to the, I'm like getting to the end of a chapter and then I'm like, I'm, I've already learned the cycle. I know who's coming next. So I'm like, great, right, let's see where we're at. Who am I going to find out what's going to go on next? And it is, it definitely keeps you going the edge because it's sort of like, you know, you know that, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to think of uh, a way of sort of working around it. You know, use Sierra for an example. You know, they may get to a point where, okay, we have certain information. I know this is important. I know we've got to go and do this. Oh, crap, Sierra's next. Can she be trusted to do it? 
is she going to read the messages? Is she going to do it properly? Is it going to have the right? Is she going to, you know, and all that? And so it, it definitely has a driving narrative that really sort of push forward. So it's, it's, you know, it's, um, you've definitely achieved an entertaining book. And that's, that's, you know, um, uh, you know, when it gets to a written review, you'll, you'll see. But um, that, that's just, that's just a, a, a given. I think it's a great success. Oh, thank you. Uh, Good to hear. Uh, because, you know, it seems to me that theme and preachiness always needs to come at the bottom of the, the list. Uh, because mm. I think if you find on the top, what you're doing, that they're just preaching to people and they tend to switch off. You know, there'll be a few who are interested in the concept and will carry on reading. But if, if the plot isn't there and if the characters aren't interesting, then a lot of people are just going to put the book down and say, well, great idea, badly done. Yeah, no, def definitely. I think the thing is, I say that because the book, the, the book works in that way because um, uh, it keeps you guessing, you know, again, sort of there's things to learn. It, it, is, it is a mystery. I think one of the things is like, well, it's one of those books I like that, I, I, you know, again, I, I, I like um, the golden age of, um, the golden age of detective fiction, as they call it, that's sort of like, you know, the 30s, the mid-war period, you know, a bit of Agatha Christie and all that kind of stuff. I like a lot of those. And I forget the guy's name, but there was the detectives club and they wrote the 10 rules of writing mystery fiction. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I often think as I read these books, I'm like, oh, is it keeping to the rules? You don't have to, because often the rules are a bit more, you know, a bit more flexible these days. But there's like, are clues being laid out for me? Can I, if I get to the end and it's a complete left turn, then... You know, I'm like, oh, I could, I could never have guessed that. But I like the fact that this is you. You are. You, are, you mentioned Kate and and and, and um, uh, the ones with Ben or Alex. All the, there's, there's, I, I, I seem to be sort of leaning towards Kate as my entry point. Really, I think. Yeah. Um. And I see that he's, this building of clues, and so there have been a couple of times where something's happened. I have gone. I flip back. I just want to check something. Yeah. No, I was right. That's fine. And it's sort of valid. so. I am, I am very much sort of like, you know, even about halfway through, I haven't, I'm not going to say anything. I have an idea in my head and I'm sort of cataloging things as we go. So it's, it's stacked up as, as, as a good mystery as well. So that's the other thing is, um, you know, it drives my wife a little mad because I'm flicking back and forth at times where I'm like, ah, she's like, what are you reading? So no, well, I'm, I'm pleased it stacks up as a mystery because I'm a, I'm a great reader of the golden age of you know, detective stories and mm. I grew up with and all the rest um, so that is actually what I was trying to write was a mystery story just in a, in a different way and uh, one of one of the reviewers one of the other authors described it as a sort of locked rock room uh, mystery with a different you know a new twist on it which which I, I thought was great uh, and, and the clues are all there I can tell you I don't want to give any spoilers away but the clues are all there the careful reader is capable of working out you know who's done what um, a few have um, mm -hmm. Some like that, some don't like that. Um, but I feel in fairness to the readers, you've got to give them the chance to work it out. And I have a, a, an excellent and very meticulous editor, Miranda Jewess, at my publishers, who you know, put a lot of work into this after uh, taking the book on. And she has been meticulous in making sure that I've been fair to the readers. And it's quite difficult when you're giving a perspective from each of the five protagonists, one of whom is quite likely to be you know, mm. the villain. That you've got to treat them fairly you know you can do a sort of murder of roger Ackroyd and have a narrator who is the murderer but you've got to do it in a fair way and so yes i've had, had to be very careful about doing that and miranda has sort of held my nose to the grindstone on that and made sure that i, I i'm not trying to hide things and readers aren't getting to the end and saying 
well, that's all very interesting, but I couldn't possibly work that out because I don't think that's fair to a reader of a crime book. No, I, I agree. I've read a couple where I've had that, where you do get to the end and all of a sudden, like, the last 30 pages, like, a character's introduced and you're like, hang on, like, <laughs> nothing to do with the previous story. Um, and all of a sudden it's wrapped up. It's so frustrating. But, no, yes, yeah. I, I will say that, um, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm picking up, I'm hopefully picking up on the right clues. Uh, I may be completely wrong. I might be a terrible detective. But... Um, uh, I, I enjoy that. That's the point. That's the point of a mystery for me. It's a puzzle. It's it's uh, that's the idea. Uh, and so it works as that. It you know it, it works as a, in a great pace. I I also have a very um, I have a very visual imagination. Uh, to me, I, I read a book and I sort of see it in my head. Um, and um, so I have a very distinctive look of what this death part looks like. Um, it's a grimy, grotty, horrible place. Um, yep. But I, I like some of the ideas that parts of it aren't like you know you have the, you have the game rooms that are very techy and, and they're very very sort of like slick and that sort of thing. So it's, it's this real sort of um, contra almost like a contradiction, but again very human. Like we'll, we'll we'll take care of the bits we care about, the bits that mean something, and the rest sort of falls by the wayside a bit. So um, yeah, in this death park again, it, it brings to mind sort of things like. Uh, weirdly escape from new york popped into my head um you know sort of like this idea that there's one moment where they're in a hotel and they say well the room there's no lock on the door but we are these this many floors up so I'm, i feel relatively secure and so there's yeah. these things in there so it's it's um you know it, it's this idea of like what 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 is what has driven this world to be in this place like i'm fascinated by this thing so it's it's um yeah it's 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 really working for me as, as a as a, as a you know an idea um and no, yeah that, that's great i mean what, I, what i've tried to do with the death park is again it's a bit like taking the first life being the most chaotic i've taken the most chaotic bit of this world I and mean, you, you probably haven't got this far yet but you do get to see a little bit of the outside world in one of the later flashbacks and mm. uh, i won't say too much about it but you you do get to see it's probably a nicer place which is a nicer place than the death park <laughs> but the idea of the death parks is that is this is the bit that isn't controlled and right towards the end of the book one of the characters says to the other the thing i actually like about the death park is here i'm not being told what to do you know here mm. i haven't got government looking over my shoulder all the time and i've got to conform here i can actually do things that aren't allowed in normal society and i think that would be attractive to some people mm. however repellent the death park itself might be as a concept and however grubby and unpleasant it is well i'm sure you know and that that idea and again, this is why I sort of find the death park sort of as a fascinating place. Again, it's a human, it's, it's this idea of it just being a human consequence. Like, you know, if you have to impose this level of order onto the world, you are, there is no way you're not going to have uh, pockets of chaos yeah. because you, we can't not have that. Uh, and often, you know, I, I, I mentioned this idea because of the gambling of time, but it made me think of Vegas. But, you know, this idea of like what goes, in, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's, it's this thing again of sort of somewhere where you can have this uh, hedonistic experience and you know and this thing exists as this weird little pocket of craziness and then you go back to the to the real world you know to the normal world um, and so it, I, I just think it's incredibly human it's, it's, it, you know you can't impose that level of order without some or letting some form of rebellion take place because it sort of people have to have a sense that they do have some their, their own control over their destiny yeah 
And I, I think it's also a bit of fun for people to have in, in the world. And it was a bit of fun for me, you know, the, the games yeah. interludes uh, where you sort of get a different perspective. But one, one of the important thing for me was the, the games are a bit, I think, like escape rooms. That's sort of the idea I had in mind or sort of you know, video games. But what I didn't want to do was just be having a game for the sake of a game. So what I've tried to do is each of the games actually develops the plot or tells you something about the character. And again, um, I don't keep harping back to Buffy, but one of the episodes that everyone always goes on about being probably one of the cleverest one is the musical one, mm. you know, Once More With Feeling. Yeah. And they could have just done a, an episode there where everyone was singing and dancing and it was a great episode and highly amusing, had nothing to do with the plot and you then move on. But actually, when you watch it, there are loads of integral plot details in there, reveals that characters learn about one another, which impact then for the rest of the series and probably the rest, the, the rest of the second series, that followed, series six and seven that follow. Mm. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to achieve that level, but I'm trying to achieve something similar where you aren't just playing games for the sake of games. You're playing games and it's telling you something about people and advancing the story as you do it, not just having a bit of fun. Yeah, it's, 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 it's hard. And I, I know what you mean, because, you know, again, um, this idea of sort of like, you know, the, I can imagine that there was the temptation somewhere just to have like a side quest, like, you know, you can go into a game and the game can be anywhere, like, you know, they enter yeah. into like New York and they can go to the places. So you could be like, oh, I can just do this and I can go off and have a whole, you know, I can do 10 pages just doing this other thing. And it would probably be great and it'd be thrilling. But, you know, you like you say, you need to make sure it's propelling the plot uh, and, and get that balance. And yeah, the first game, I will say the first game, I, I will say that there's two, I've done two of them. Um, the first game, the one they go to New York, uh, was, is really cool. Uh, the end of that is, is uh, oddly sort of, is oddly tragic. It's, it's, it's really cool. But the race over the bridge, get <laughs> um, um, this idea again, sort of, um, just the going around in circles and, 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 you know, again, that repetition of having to go over that bridge. Um, accompanied by the arrogance of the character. And again, I want to, you know, this, the, the, the sort of, it's Alex, isn't it, who's, who's the sort of the, the athlete. Just uh, the, the, the my, yeah, sorry, yeah. The supreme confidence in his own, his own physicality starting to get undermined because of other bits is, is, is really, is really good. Um, so, yeah. Um, it, it does work well. It, it's really good fun. So, um, I, you know, it, it is a great book. And I, I'm really enjoying it. And so, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, much more than what we've done, because we've talked about it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and we've, we've talked quite widely about speculative fiction and stuff. But, um, I, you know, I, I think this is this is this is a book. If you like speculative fiction, or yeah, you know, it's got sci-fi elements. It's got it's a thriller. It's got it's got the mystery elements. It's all in there. Seriously, go check it out. It's you know, as I said, there's links below. Um, one question though: Are you going to do any more in this world? Is there is there anything you want to do more in this world? Probably, but not immediately. Is the answer. I mean, I mm -hmm. there are a couple of chapters that I wrote that I think went to my agent, never actually went to my publisher, which would have led themselves lent themselves immediately to a quite an interesting sequel probably with different characters, but in the same world. And I then shelved those because I didn't want to get drawn into doing a sequel. Um, but there have been quite a lot of people saying, you've really just scraped the surface of some of these ideas. And I'd love to see another <laughs> book in the same world, necessarily the same people. Um, at the moment, the one I'm working on, my second book is completely different. It's another speculative fiction idea, but it's set in Vancouver Island. It's in the real world. It's got nothing to do with this. 
Um, but I am thinking, I mean, the, the, my, I've started a third book as well, which again isn't a sequel, but I'm thinking maybe the third or maybe the fourth book, you know, if people respond well to this, I would quite like to go back and revisit it and maybe, maybe look at the life of a hedonist, for example. What's it like at age 17 to say, I only want to live to 42, I want to have a life of luxury. And then you get to 41 and think, oh dear, mm. you know, did I make the right decision? And I think that there's quite fun to be had with that. So I, I may go back to it, but I think writing sequels is quite difficult you know, to get it right. Uh, and I thought I'd rather just move on and write something completely different for the moment. I have a, you know, another interesting idea. So I thought I'd give that a go and see how that pans out. Uh, yes. I saw that. So you got the next book coming out next year, uh, Black Lake, uh, about unwinding times. I've read the blurb of that. So that sounds really fascinating as well. That's another detective story. So I'll be looking forward to that one. Um, Thank you. Yeah, but, but like I say, the, the, the looking back as you know, you say about a sequel. Um, I just, I just, I just like to say to it, like you say, I think people are right. Just scratch the surface of this world. Like you know, I want the headiness is fascinating. The idea of um, you know the ghost in the shell, almost idea of having your mind transferred to an artificial body. You know, how about that what does that mean like yeah there's some really fantastic ideas that could be explored so um you know i i you know i, I would never say do it so it's your it's your book if you're writing but uh, I, I do hope you do revisit this world oh, in the you. future um as we sort of wrap up though so uh where you know where can people find the book where can people find you um and uh you know anything else you want to plug uh, well the book came out on 2nd of september uh, mm -hmm. So you can find it now, uh, you know, in uh, most book, real bookshops. You can, if you go into your local Waterstones, you should find it there. Uh, it's available at all usual uh, online, you know, places that sell books. And I won't promote one over any others, but you know, there's plenty that uh, people can find it in. Um, there's a very good audio book which I only heard for the first time uh, when. The, the book came out um, in full length and an actor called Joe Jameson, who's done a remarkable job of pulling together five different characters, different voices. Uh, and I think it must've been quite a challenge for him to do. And he's done a remarkable job. And I, I listened to it and actually it sort of brought the book alive to me in a different way of actually hearing someone else's interpretation of the character. So, you know, if, if people who aren't particularly into reading books or want something a bit different, I definitely recommend that, the audio book. Um, and if, if you're not sure, for people who think, well, I don't really read science fiction, this sounds a bit science fiction-y, uh, as I say, it is really a mystery story, it's not science fiction, that's what I'm telling everyone. But if you're doubtful whether you're going to enjoy it, you can go onto my website at uh, guymorphous.com, and I've always been a big fan of these choose-your-own-adventure games that I played a lot of in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, at university, and I've written a effectively a choose-your-own-adventure story set in the Death Park, where you can go and play through as a member of a commune and experience what it's like to live for four hours a day. You get to play some of the games the characters play. It's not the same as the book, so there are no spoilers, but you do bump into the characters without necessarily realising it until you read the book. Uh, you have a sort of odd meeting in the bar, you see Sierra, you see Alex. So I hope it's a bit of fun, but for those who are mm. unsure about it, go and play that, completely free. You know, if you enjoy it, uh, you might enjoy the book. If you don't enjoy it, then uh, you haven't wasted any money on the book. So <laughs> I'd, I'd advocate that for people who are just a bit uncertain about it and not sure if they're going to like it. No, yes, a bit of a snippet. There's a link to the website below. Uh, it'll be in the below the podcast. And uh, not only you, I've seen it, it's on the town called Adventure Games, and uh, haven't quite done it yet. I will, I will have a go at that. Um, but also, I said there's the personality test on the website as well, so you can find out whether you'd be uh, a hedonist, an android, a, a 
a worker or a member of a commune, um, good fun. I was a worker. Um, so, you know, sensible choices, made sensible choices. That's what I'd do. Um, yeah. Like start a podcast. Um, so, yeah, do check out. There'll be some links down below for, obviously, for Guy's website, for uh, his, uh, to, to the book on in several locations. As he said, can be bought from all good bookstores. Um, I don't get kicked back in any of them, so I'm not bothered where you buy it from. Just go check it out, really. Um, but yeah, Guy, thank you very much um, for, uh, for coming on, giving the time. Um, also, I hope you all the success with the book. Um, I, I look forward uh, to finishing it. Uh, I may even drop your picture on, on social media, see whether I figured it out or not um, when I get through to the end. Um, but I also, in fact, look forward to the future books as well. Um, so just, yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, well, th thank you for having me. It's been, been a pleasure to talk to you about it. And I am very interested to know whether you have seen the clues or not. So do, do let me know when you finish it, uh, whether, whether you got it or, or whether I managed to fool you. Yes, I will. I'll definitely let you know. I'll definitely let you know. Yes, thank you very much. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Mm -hmm.